Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Teen Girl Talk. Teen Girl Talk. I'm Susie Coda. I'm Franklin Coda. And this week we are The Queen's Gambit, or at least the first two episodes. I watched oh. half of the third episode. Oh, mon ami. <laughs> um, I'm going to ignite things with my fingers and constantly sexually harass a teammate. Oh, I get it, because of Gambit. I was like, Frank, she definitely did not have, like, a Creole accent at all. <laughs> I'm amazed you could tell what kind of accent I was trying to do. <laughs> well, I mean, it was just because you were, like, kind of speaking French, so I was like, I guess this is what this is. Um, but what was I going to say? Oh, where were they in this show? I have no idea. <laughs> I oh wait are they in Kentucky? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Um, Queen's Gambit. It's a two-hour bus ride to Ohio to Cincinnati. So we know that it's cold, um, but uh, so Queen's Gambit is about uh, a. Very pretty redheaded, bewigged <laughs> character um, that is very good at chess and is also an orphan. Uh, very, oh, Susie, let me just say very good. Uh, it's Lexington, Kentucky. Oh, there we go. Well, no, I only thought about when they go to, well, she becomes the champion, the state champion. And then when they're making the plans to go to Ohio, which might have happened in the third episode. Uh, her adoptive mother says it's only two hours. Yeah, that, that's uh, the second episode, because I remember that. I didn't watch any of the okay. third episode. And no, what is Beth. the main character's name? Beth. Beth, right. Okay, I just read that article from the New York Times you sent me, but my 
memory not working um oh speaking of which we have a listener email um <laughs> we'll be reading it on extra credit this week because i again am disorganized and did not have it prepped so <laughs> back to the queen's gambit <laughs> and thank you for emailing us i'm sorry that i'm messy so beth um we see her first as an adult she's waking up in paris uh it's clear she has overslept She's speaking fluent French to, I don't know if it's a bellhop or a concierge who clearly is uh, providing her with a wake-up call, like literally uh, knocking on the door saying, you know, it's time. And she's saying just a moment in French. And she is submerged in a bathtub uh, in her clothing. And when she gets out of the bath, she slips. We see her quickly go from disheveled to, you know, to prepped for the day, there is a prone body sleeping in the bed, and she is barefoot and running around with her heels in her hands. Um, she also takes a uh, she also takes a pill, and we'll learn what those pills are later. Um, it's like a combination of like a mint green and like a forest green. Like it's a um, capsule. Yeah. Um, but she's clearly living that rock and roll chess lifestyle. Yes. Um, and let me say, I am pretty shocked that I found chess riveting. Uh, they said a bunch of uh, chess piece names and a bunch of moves, and none of them tracked with me, and I can't remember any of them. Uh, but I I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, um, well that, this is the thing about, like... I feel like this way every time we watch or every time I watch something about a sport or something where I'm like, man, don't care. But then like when you see people who are so passionate about it and just so involved in it, I'm like, oh, oh my God, like they're moving that night to there. Really? (laughs) Weren't you watching some tennis anime for a while? I was watching that badminton anime. Oh I wa- my god, so much better. <laughs> I, wa- I was also watching a volleyball anime, but like, which wasn't as fun because, like, the like it was just like I want to be the best at volleyball, and like, there's something about this game I just love. Meanwhile, the badminton anime is like this girl's like I'm gonna make my mother rue the day she had me, and just like what the fuck. <laughs> Frankly, like, make the mistake of leading with, so I've been watching this badminton anime, and I'm like, Frank, 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 (laughs) if you do not think I've immediately checked out when you say something like that, you are mistaken. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I had to, like, bear the lead, basically. (laughs) You know what you should totally start doing is telling me a story as if the characters are real people, and then all of a sudden, halfway through, I'll have to be like, this is an anime because <laughs> you're only like and then you know it's quite unfortunate that they uh turn into animals when they're hugged by the opposite sex and i'm like wait a minute <laughs> hold on just a second oh god i mean i i was thinking about another quiz we could do where i'm just like guess the anime bullshit that's going on with this character like <laughs> i frank i will fail i will fail yeah, but, so tragically I- because I was, was going to be multiple choice. I was just like, this person's an assassin because A, his parents were killed. B, he can't play soccer anymore. Or C, none of the above. 
<laughs> Guess what the answer's be for some goddamn reason. Yeah. <laughs> and he's part um, of a group of he... other assassins, and like everybody's just like, I have this tragic backstory. He's like, I can't play soccer anymore. But he can still run around and be an assassin. It, that's a very strange level of hurt. <laughs> it's like... It's very particular. It's like, I'm willing to be in this lane, but not this lane. Yeah. Which is confusing. Because... I would have to think, and this is just me, uh, that it would be far more emotional and traumatic to be an assassin than to be a striker. Uh, But that's, again, that's just me. I realize that soccer is very competitive. So if you had the decision between being an assassin or a soccer player, write us at realteengirltalk at gmail.com. Tell us a little bit about your struggles. (laughs) I, I'm not making light of either of those things. I just think anime is ridiculous. <laughs> Most of it is. And that's why I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, the one thing I do relate with anime characters is that they tend to become flustered and sweaty. I mean, yeah. Okay, back to the Queen's Gambit. So we get this introduction to Beth and then immediately flashback to um, we see like an old timey flashback. I I would have to say it's like probably best described as sepia tone where um, her mom. She's a very young child, um, like maybe four or five. And uh, her mother is sort of like tooling along in the car and um, there's like an old timey truck coming the opposite direction on um, what I would say is probably a single vehicle bridge. Her mother says, close your eyes. And then uh, we cut to a tragic car accident. Um, Her, and apparently, the way they used to handle crime scenes back then, uh, very slapdash. Her mom's just lying on the ground with a sheet over her, which seems like maybe you should escort this child away from the scene. Uh, so she over Beth overhears two policemen saying, um, you know, I can't believe the kid survived. And that's when we see the shot of her mom. And it, it, the... The context or the shorthand of that is that Beth's mom was definitely trying to do away with both of them, um, which is tragic and horrific and so upsetting. And I think sort of sets the scene for why we're going to see Beth retreat into herself, but also address life in general with a a sort of a clinical eye like uh beth is not going to be our sentimental protagonist we are not going to be given a voiceover we are not going to hear any of her interior life everything we know about beth we know from watching her navigate through the world yes um that's a very good way to put it um and uh i have to say for someone who's 15 years old she really did not Because we're going to see Beth, you know, Frank and I, again, watch the first two episodes. We're going to see Beth as a teenager. But even up to then, stuff has been pretty difficult. Um, So in the orphanage, was that Amy Adams who played the, like, headmistress? 
I don't think so. Um, that actress is giving me strong Amy Adams vibes. All right, I'm gonna look it up. But I w- okay, this this is our second like things are not going well for women um, show because last week things weren't going well for women either, and this week things are going only marginally kind of better. So um, I'm going to say this seems to be a thing that Netflix likes to do. They're like, do you like your female protagonists uh, super pressed all the time? We got you. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was going to say maybe for our, our last Netflix week, we do Dare Me, which I have only seen the promo photo for. It says that it's a slick, dark comedy with teens. So I, I'll do like a sort of a preliminary run of an episode next week and we can kind of go from there. But this was actually developed, uh, The Queen's Gambit was developed from a book um, that came out about a decade ago or maybe two. I think it came out like 20 years ago. 1983. And it's, when did it come out? Uh, 1983. Whoa! Oh, I guess the article you sent me, the woman was reading it in 2002. So, yeah, this story was developed from a book that's about 40 years old, which I think is really impressive. It's set in the 50s. Uh, I got big madman vibes from it. Uh, The fashions, the cars, the uh, very limited range of things women are allowed to do. Well, once once we uh, meet one of the main characters in the first episode i'll tell you what kind of vibes it was giving me okay <laughs> and um we see uh the sort of the home for girls like orphans that beth is gonna live at and it's it's very imposing but kind of gives me um Professor Xavier School for Gifted Children vibes. <laughs> I, I swear, I feel like it could be the same building. But I mean, they, like, super, like, low-lighted it up, dingy it up. Yeah, there's not exactly a whole bunch of color in this first episode, or yeah. anything to kind of look at. It's not, I mean, it... The one thing, um, and I keep mentioning the New York Times article that uh, Frank had sent me, uh, but the one thing I will give this show is, like, it's very atmospheric. Like, I feel that we are, we, the viewer, are told exactly how we should be feeling about just about everything. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I... I think that throughout the um, the history of this podcast, we've we've definitely watched some stuff where I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm I'm supposed to be liking anyone in this film or <laughs> rooting for anyone. But I I feel like with this show, it's very clear. Beth has had a hard life. She's incredibly intelligent. Her circumstances are unfortunate, and you know we're going to watch her find the thing she is good at. In the same way that last week with um, Bridgerton, I was like, oh, I kind of want all of these characters, with the exception of Anthony, to come out okay of this. Because they, they've they kind of shown me 
that they seem like likable people. I don't know why I got on this tangent. It's not very important, but <laughs> I do like Beth. I like Beth as the character, even though she is kind of cold and um, detached. Yeah, like very stoic. But I, I have to assume that's a product of her situation. Yeah. Um. So she discovers. Uh, so one of the. The two main things that this orphanage will give her is chess and a crippling addiction to tranquilizers. Um, when they first gave her the pills, because uh, she gets there, they chop off her hair, they take her cute little dress that has an embroidered Beth above the heart, and uh, they send her to go get her daily medications, and she asks what it is, and... Uh, I, I cannot remember anyone's name. The attendant who gives it to her says the, the brown one is vitamins and the green one, I think it, he says, is for concentration. It'll even you out. Even you out. <laughs> Which comes with the presumption that all of these girls are troubled, but most of them are very small and seem fairly well behaved. So the idea that they are taking tranquilizers met, meant for grown adults was chilling. And then, I, I mean, I, when I was watching this, as a, somebody who's worked in pharmacies most of my life, I saw it. I'm like, no, 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 no! You should not be giving those pills to children, like especially what? just. What pill was it? I, I, I'm sure it's just a downer. I don't think they ever, unless it, they say in the book. I don't think they're probably going to give it a name. Like it's just, it's a tranquilizer. Gotcha. Um, Maybe I can find it. What what pill, what drug would Beth Harmon be on? And so uh, she sort of learns how to get along at the orphanage. Um, she's already very advanced in math. Um, we see in a flashback that her mother was, I believe, an astrophysicist. She was like some very highfalutin, high-end um, math scientist. And she uh, had written a dissertation, but somewhere something went sideways um, and she became very ill and left Beth's father, kept moving. He finally tracked them down and she sent him away permanently. And then we see her... um, burning all of their belongings including her dissertation in a barrel fire and uh, i think we have to assume that this is like closely preceding the um the car crash yeah and, um oh god well no, i just looked it up the the drug name is made up zanzolum okay um which does end like lorazepam or alprazolam, which are, you know, anti-anxiety medications. Um, but it, it's probably just Librium, which was freely given back then to people in Beth's situation. <laughs> or and to... so later, they say the state is really cracking down on them, and they they stop giving the sedative to the girls, and Beth, who had been hoarding and then taking multiple capsules at a time starts going through withdrawals and the reason this is especially pressing is that she had begun to um when the (laughs) math teacher initially sends her out of the classroom to go clap uh chalk erasers in the basement she meets um 
Mr. Scheibel, who is the custodian, and he is playing chess against himself. And so she asks him what it is, and he's like, not now, go away. But every day she continues to go down there, and he'll explain a little bit here, a little bit there. And finally they start playing games, and it becomes um, clear very quickly that she is adept at this. Uh, And so he starts uh, coaching her, basically. Like, if this was, you know, a baseball movie or, like, a basketball movie, (laughs) we would get a montage of them, like you know, uh, doing batting practice or, you know, shooting three free throws. Okay. You know what kind of vibes I was getting from these two? What? Vlad and Violet. Wait. From, t- from Teen Spirit. Oh, true! I, for some reason, I thought you were talking about Ice Girls. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Um, are you kidding me fucking what's his name uh mickey no uh he would he would have sconded with beth and been like you're the new chess prodigy you're gonna make me so much money i mean that's the interesting part about both vlad from um teen spirit as well as mr scheibel is that they are clearly interested in only the talent. And I mean, something might happen later in the show. I don't know. We haven't finished it. But I was definitely getting nervous when these two grown men were taking a lot of interest in her. But it really came down to, because he brings in a colleague from the the local chess club, Mr. Gans. But it really comes down to they are only that passionate about chess. And seeing her have... Um, such a proclivity for it they they want to foster that so when he brings in and like i is that photo gonna come back at some point because i found that very strange mr gans comes down uh plays a game against beth again this is all not in like i would say purposeful secret but just sort of like secondhand secret in the basement of the school and oh, <laughs> we forgot to mention that um when this the first time mr scheibel beats beth uh at chess she calls him an offensive term that she does not know what it means <laughs> and he locks her out of the basement for days but after that she is very amenable to like the pace and the rules that he wants to set forth so when yes. mr Gan- Okay. Because he's just like, 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 just resign. Like you've lost. Like that's the the correct thing to do. And she's like, no, I can win. And he's like, no. And so later, she has befriended Jolene. Um, Jolene had been yelling that word again and again uh, until she got her mouth washed out with soap. And Jolene is kind of, um, I would say, the rebellion within the system. Like she knows how things work. And she's the one who first tells Beth to uh, tongue her meds and save them for later because you don't want the tranquilizers to come on during the day. You want to take them at night so you're able to sleep. Because, you know, they're sleeping in a dorm of like 30 other girls. uh, So I have to assume it's hard to get a good night's rest. So after Mr. 
Gans sees, he's the coach at the high school, sees how adept Beth is. Um, she beats Mr. Scheibel in a match, then goes over to Mr. Gans's board and is playing against him and then steps away. And she's able to play out the game in her head without even looking at the board. And he is completely floored by this. So he, he approaches the headmistress of the school and asks if he can pick up Beth and bring, um, you know, a high school uh, woman, uh, student, female student. I don't know why I had to be so weird about saying that. <laughs> but they, they're very worried about propriety or being propriety. Proprietary. Yeah. I thought proprietary is owning. Appearances? Whatever. The politeness, like rules, yeah. like the appearance of things, keeping up. So, um, and he says, I want to have Beth play all 12 uh, chess team members at the time. And I really delighted in this. Not the actual match, which was fine. But later she is eating out of a box of chocolates, which I guess maybe was the <laughs> the prize. But she's telling Mr. Scheibel, um, I was surprised at how poorly they played. Even the kid who was supposed to be best, like, left himself open to all these vulnerabilities. And um, then... The way that she ends up not being allowed to attend matches or play chess anymore is she tries to steal a bunch of sedatives. Uh, like we had mentioned before, the home is not allowed to give them um, the sedatives anymore. And she's going through these terrible withdrawals. So she tries to break into the little med room and she's stuffing her mouth full of tranquilizer, stuffing her pockets is about to, like, leave and lock up, but thinks better of it and takes this huge... It's like... What would you call that? Like, a huge pickle jar? I was like, What what comes in... Oh, okay. I'm going to compare this jar to... If you are going to buy the economy sort of bucket of cheese balls, that's (laughs) how full of sedatives this is. But because she has gobbled out a bunch of sedatives, she's standing on the chair, reaches in to get them, is sort of wobbling around. Everybody's coming out from watching, um, I don't know what it is, some Caesar movie, also the Spartacus? Passion of the Christ type thing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. And they see her know. hit the floor with the jar. The jar hits the floor, then she hits the floor. And her and Jolene are talking about it later, and um, we they age up to 15 and a little bit older, and this is when uh, Beth gets adopted. Yeah, um, well, I just want to throw in a few things, because that's the entire first episode. The first episode ends with Beth passing out in front of the entire school for yes. the tranquilizers. Um, I just want to throw in a few extra things from um, the first episode. Uh-huh. Like, uh, Mr. Gans gives her a doll upon first meeting her, which she immediately throws in the garbage. Um, I like how she looks at Mr. Scheibel for, like, what am I supposed to do with this? And he, <laughs> like, gives her this nod, like, you are supposed to, uh, <laughs> you're supposed to thank him. And she's sort of like, thank you. Um, and then uh, she also, when she takes the tranquilizers, she can see the chess moves 
Like she can see giant chess pieces on the ceiling moving about. And she replays games and scenarios. Uh, so I, I guess we're supposed to assume she is a photographic memory. I mean, I mean, yeah, I, probably. Cause that's what all like, you know, chess is as much about strategy as about memorization. Like, gotcha. Um, but like he, uh, Mr. Scheibel also gives her a copy of, of a book called Modern Chess Openings, um, and she's very she's very intrigued to learn the Sicilian defense. Yeah, and uh, when she's unable to get any more um, green pills, she says she's just going to stay up as long as she can at night, learning the Sicilian defense. Yeah. So she is adopted by. The characters' names are Alma and Alston, and the um, the headmistress, I guess, is trying to be shrewd and says that Beth is thirteen when she's actually fifteen. Yeah, but I mean, it becomes very clear uh, very quickly that she's kind of a babysitter for Alma, and this reminded me a lot of White Oleander, um, where the character goes is adopted at 15 and goes to um, live with a woman who is not in the best of mental health because her husband travels so much Uh, in the same way that I just read the silent patient and there's a mother who gets into a car accident with her kid in the car. Um, But uh, the, the house at first seems idyllic. Like there are a lot of patterns and a lot of colors and there's a lot going on all the time. Alston, the husband, is not friendly um, and is, like, sighing all the time. And then Alma, at first, seems, like, very excited, very chipper, very upbeat. And then uh, we find out she has a little bit of a drinking problem. She's taking the same tranquilizers that uh, Beth had been trying to steal at the uh, orphanage. And... um, I would say she's pretty withholding. I mean, she she's very distracted by like her her own upsets, her own problems, and the fact that her husband seems to be kind of like a controlling jerk. Because um, he keeps saying like, "Well, I have to go back out on the road, and I'm going to take the car," and you know, being like very condescending to his wife. And we learn that at some point they had a child, but they no longer have a child. Yeah. Um... The thing is, like, like, well, one, I'm gonna throw this out there. Very glad nothing weird happened with the dad. Um, I was very worried about that. Yeah, like, I'm, I, like, <laughs> I feel like now that we've watched so much stuff, I'm constantly on like, oh, you're gonna be shit, shitty dude. You're gonna be a fucking shitty dude. <laughs> like, um, you know, it's like I'll... kind of a danger whenever we have an unprotected protagonist like this. Yes. Um. And like, but like this is, and this is something like I th- I always I always feel like doing stuff like that is just such a cheat, mm-hmm. or, or like it's just like oh instant drama we have this young girl interested in an older dude, and like I feel like the Queen's Game is like no we have so much more chess to do and so much more other things <laughs> to do that we're not gonna go down this very obvious and gross route fuck you. Hop on the chess wagon. We're getting out of here. Like, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, you know, 
those relationships are boring and boring, and gross, and just awful. Assessment. The relationship between Alma and Beth is so much more interesting because um, Beth is like Alma is feeling all her feelings all the time, and yeah. Beth, I feel like if you didn't tell her to leave the yard, she would still be standing out there, like being like, "So what am I supposed to do?" Because like. And this is this part made me so sad because like Alma brings her upstairs to her room and it's this very nice, very lovely furnished room, and she just says like, "So this is your room," and Beth just goes the whole thing, and she's like, "And Alma's yeah. like, uh, yeah." <laughs> um, so like you have Beth who's so like, you know, looking in on herself, and like you have Alma who's like, "Now I got this kid, I I don't know how to be a mom." <laughs> Like, and I'm so very sad. Yeah, so she sends Beth to the um, Bradley's, which is sort of like the Five and Dime, the bodega downtown. And um, Beth picks up uh, three packs of cigarettes for her. And while she's waiting for um, the cashier to make change she sees that there is a chess magazine and he is really rude to her and is like, if you want to read it, you have to buy it. So she leaves the store with the cigarettes, comes back with a dime, buys a newspaper and steals the chess magazine that way. And so then she sees that there is a tournament. It's the state tournament. And it seems to be at, I guess at the high school. In her town, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure if she had to travel there or not. And she tells Alma, like, I'm going to the tournament. It goes until Sunday. And she had had to write Mr. Scheibel um, for the entry fee because Alma said had promised a 40 cent a week allowance. But then um, because uh, Alston had not come back with money or sent any money, they were short for the rest of the month. So when Beth gets there, she, this is her first tournament. She doesn't exactly understand how it's supposed to work. She meets a um, handsome young fellow (laughs) and both him. And I cannot remember the other girl's name, help her out with like, and us, the viewer as well. You know, this is a chess clock, and the you write down your moves here, and it's timed, and this is how they do the matchups. So, um, obviously, Beth just flies through everyone at the tournament until she is matched with Belichick. And, um, well, first she beats the handsome young gentleman. What's his name? Towns? Um... I, I I feel like they said it once, and I just like it just went in one ear out the other. I'm gonna try and find out. Yeah, we um, see his name a lot on the rankings, um, and he compliments her because uh, she <laughs> thusly beats him uh, in their match, and he's pretty impressed. And but at the end of that, she gets her period, and the other um, female chess player comes in to compliment her on his mat on the match against uh the the handsome gentleman but 
Beth is freaking out because she's never had her period before and obviously has not had a ton of like soothing and mothering guidance. Um, so she returns to the game and by Sunday she's matched up against Belchick. Belchick shows up late. He's very cavalier. He keeps yawning and showing his yucky teeth to Beth and Beth leaves the match. I, I would say probably about halfway through to go give herself an insulting and denigrating pep talk in the bathroom mirror and take some sedatives. The way she's gotten the sedatives is that her uh, adoptive mother Alma takes them. So when Beth goes to fill the prescription, she skims some off of the top. And she... the, the, the only comment Alma has was like, why do they always fill it just halfway full? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, Beth comes home and finds Alma in a super state of distress. Alma asks her to go. Um, she wins the whole tournament, beats Belchek. Alma asks her to go upstairs. Um, and when she's retrieving her uh, menstruation belt to also pick up the sedatives for Alma. And... Um, <laughs> What Beth sees that the phone is off the hook, the room is a little bit in disarray, looks a little bit trashed, and Alma delivers the news that Alston has died somewhere in between Denver and I can't remember Utah maybe. Oh, and, I, 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 did they say he died? Because I took it as he left her. I think he's dead. Okay, I'm gonna quick look it up. Um, think, um. Because she said that he would be forever detained. Well, that's what that's what I mean. Like that he like was stepping out back in. Um, like he was. It's very possible. Um, he, he, like, we, like during the month he's he's gone, he comes home once, shit talks uh, Beth and says, "Doesn't she have any other clothes?" Because she's and just then been wearing. Takes her on a terrible makeover trip. Yes. Uh, and uh, and Beth is just like, can, can I buy a chess set? She's like, nah. <laughs> and that's when there's the discussion about the allowance that never shows up. And so then um, Alma tells Beth, like, we can keep lying to the orphanage that I am not a woman without a husband so that you can stay here and we can continue this. And Beth says, you know, I won a hundred dollars and almost like, Oh shit. Didn't know you could make money at this. Oh, he and, stri- okay. I found out the answer. He straight up abandons them. Oh, wow. I really thought he died. Damn. Yeah. Austin was the worst. Yeah. Uh, like Austin was just, <laughs> they're better off. <laughs> um, yeah, like, but, what are they losing? A cranky man who sighs in the corner and does not provide for his family? No, thank you. Yeah. Um, Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But, like, you know, 
I feel like I, I just want to go like we're like hurrying through this episode a bit. I just want to go back and talk about Alma a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like Al- Alma is reminds me of I think like what her mo- mother, what Beth's real mother was going to be like or mm-hmm. was I should say. Um, we're in like. You know, she's a woman who's highly intelligent and just stuck in this life and yeah. doesn't know a way to get out of it. Um, she says that she wanted to be, like, an orchestral piano player in her earlier life, but she got married, she got pregnant, she has stage fright, and it just kind of never happened for her. Yeah. Um, and... Like, after Alston leaves, Alma is like, I I can't do a lot of things, but I can try and be a mother to you. Um, and, and the way I, she does that is basically becomes her agent. Yeah. I mean, but, like, let's, like, Beth, the, the only th- other thing Beth had going on in her life was going to school. And that school. <laughs> <laughs> and Alma dispatches with that pretty quickly. <laughs> well, it's just, it's just, like. Yeah, she went to school, like, where she was basically an alien observing, like, humans. Where she's just like, oh, people are making out in the stacks. I don't know what that is. Like, They were pretty cavalier about that. That, I think, would have definitely been um, super frowned upon. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that yeah. would be frowned upon now. Like, it was, like, pretty graphic. Not that, you know... People should not be allowed to do that, but not in the library stacks. Do not disrespect the library that way. Um, like she answered a question correctly, like her first five minutes in class, and everybody basically like labeled her a nerd. Like she wasn't getting any requests to join any of the social clubs. So, like, yeah. But all of that, like, just to say it though, all of that sounded really fucking lame. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> she's definitely not missing out on anything. Yeah, and like you know, the chess club has a bunch of cute boys. Like, I did. I we also didn't mention like how Towns is kind of flirting with her as they're playing chess. Yeah. Um, because he's just like, "How old are you?" No, don't tell me you'll depress me. And she's like, "Well, it's okay because I'm 36," and he just <laughs> kind of laughs. Like, you know, he sees the skills, and then he was defeated by the skills. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um. And she's very single-minded about chess. She's not necessarily interested in yeah. if her opponents are cute or not. Yeah. Um, and do you think those twins are going to be reoccurring characters? Which twins? The twins that are overseeing the um, Kentucky State Championships. And then Alma is super into. Um, I don't think so. Like, I think they're probably going to stay behind in Kentucky as she travels the world defeating Grandmasters. Gotcha. Um, the thing, the other thing is, like, you know, Beth, Beth has this habit of finding out one piece of information, walking away, realizing she needs another piece of information, and just walking right back. Which I thought was just such a great idiosyncratic thing. Um, it's very endearing because she's kind of arguing with these twins about how long it takes to become a master. And they're like, well, you have to be ranked first and then you have to play other masters and then you have to wait four months. And she's like, no, that takes too long. And she asks where the national championships are 
or they mention Las Vegas and she walks away and comes back and says, what's in Las Vegas? And they're <laughs> like, well, the national championships. And she's like, okay. And, you know, it's very easy to see sort of her goal setting process because we're an audience to all of it. But at the same time, um, again, we have like no idea what's going on in the interior life of Beth. Um, because later when they're in Cincinnati and she is, uh, you know, replaying her matches from that day in the hotel room, looking for vulnerabilities. And then they're on a plane and they're talking about spending um, Christmas in Houston. You know, Beth, again, is just, it's like, it's all about chess and, you know, uh, playing chess and winning at chess and uh, the money around it. And after Cincinnati, her mother suggests that she get a 10% cut. And Beth says, well, what about a 15% cut? So now we see that there is kind of an imbalance in their relationship. Wait, I feel like I, oh man, what's going on at the end of this episode? So Beth is getting the 15% cut? No, her mother. Oh. This might have happened in the third episode. Yeah. Um, they eat lunch with the twins, and then Beth goes to play her last match. Um, because, like, the, the, for me, the, the last thing I saw was Alma saying, like, by the way, there's this, you know, tournament out in Ohio, and, like, this is how much it's going to cost, and even if you take second or third... You're going, like, um... So she wins the $500 at that. And that's how they discuss the, um... Her getting the cut. Yeah. Um... Because the thing is, like... So, okay, I think this is a good time to talk about the article uh, I sent yeah. Susie. Um, and the article is entitled The Fader Flaw of the Queen's Gambit by Sarah Miller. And um, the the article point calls uh, Alma a terrible mother, but the right mother, like basically the right mother for Beth, because mm-hmm. like I feel like Alma is looking at Beth as both a cash cow and you know kind of like a violin mom or whatever. Like you'll be the greatness that I was denied. Um, I mean, also Alma treats her like an equal a lot. Yeah. Like, Beth does not get the convenience of, like, being a child at any point. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think, you know, I, I feel like this is a pretty... A, a thing that happens in, like, single-parent homes. You know, or at least the ones I've seen on, you know, in movies and whatnot. Of just like, mm-hmm. well, kid, it's just you and me. Like, I gotta be straight about some, some things. Yeah. Um... So the article, uh, which I'll post on the Facebook this week, because um, one of my big resolutions is to actually do stuff with the Facebook. Uh, is, Proud of you. <laughs> thank you. Is um, about like the fact that Anya Taylor Joy is too pretty to play Beth Harmon, and um, the author brings up in the book that Beth Harmon is constantly called uh, it, it, it's called ugly, not good looking enough. And all these things, and Plain. but like, yeah, but gains a, like an attractiveness by being good at chess. And 
I I have very mixed feelings about this. Mm-hmm. Um, because it just... It, like, on one hand, I do feel like we need to tell stories of people, you know, of all different, like, you know, races and sizes and what have you. But also, like, I know we all, but we all, Hollywood loves pretty faces, but doesn't want, like, to take them seriously. Yeah. So, like, that, that's, that, and then this article, I feel like, adds even more to, to the one side of, like, the text says this, but this is what the reality of, of the world is. Is that, like, you know, um, when Lindsay Lohan came out, she's like, I want to, like, be a serious actress. And I was like, yeah, whatever, cool. Just go do Herbie Fully Loaded. <laughs> like, I mean, the other part I will say is that I don't necessarily think that it's terrible that Anya Taylor is beautiful. I think it just makes it a different character. Because the, the author's main sticking point was the self-possessedness that the actress has. Like, she isn't sort of waiting for people to validate her because she has that as being a person who has always been attractive. So it, she lacks the quality of sort of developing into the validation and the confidence. But the thing that the space that leaves is that she's going to, there is still a want for Beth. Like the author said, you know, Beth in the book, she's just fully made of want, but Anya Taylor's Beth does not, she doesn't necessarily have this need And I don't agree with that at all. Like, Beth in the Netflix show has been denied everything. Uh, You know, a fairly regular childhood, uh, having parents, anything you can name. Like, (laughs) having a loving influence in her life or belongings or, you know, having her intellect... uh, you know, recognized and and fostered besides by Mr. Scheibel. So I just think, and I've gotten this way about books that I've loved and that have been developed into media. And I've been very inflexible about it where other people will be like, well, that show or that, that movie is fine. And I'm like, no, it's not. You don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I completely understand what the author is saying, but as a person who is, has not read the book multiple times and is not married to the text, I think if one was to look at this as like a standalone, I did care about the chess and I did feel invested in those moments and like they were incredibly like tense and suspenseful. Well, my thing is also that, you know, the, the movie at no, not the movie, the, the show at no point like comments on best looks. Like, it's not like, you know, somebody's like, Oh, you're close. And she yeah. calls herself an ugly fucker or ugly something. Yeah. Um, she calls Ben Check a fucker. <laughs> um, like, you know, it's not like in um, in certain movies where people are constantly hitting on her and like, you know, are 
acknowledging her beauty. It's just like, no, she's just this person who is just going about her business. Um, like even Towns, the guy we said was flirting with her, is just they, he's focused on the chess, not on like, oh, you're very pretty. He's just like, yeah. oh, we're both good at chess, and I see you as an equal. Like, um, and like the so, and like the the author also says like, oh, and then all Beth has to do is like crane her head a certain way. Or do this thing a certain way. And she gets what she wants. I'm like, no man, like, kind of falls over himself to help Beth in this show. And also, like, when Beth has those sort of affects, I, to me, it read way more as unsettling than as, you know, inviting her come hither. Like, I always felt, because, like... I don't know if the script wrote it this way or Anya Taylor decided to play it this way. Whenever she walks into like a room or a business or the library, instead of saying like, oh, hello, excuse me, she goes, which is like so annoying. (laughs) So like, I did not agree that Anya Taylor played this as like the most charming, beautiful girl in the world. Like, I think Beth seemed annoying. (laughs) I think she's a really interesting character. And I think it's, uh, an interesting story and sort of like a cool path to take, but do I think I'd want to hang out with Beth? Probably not. <laughs> and like, that's like, that's kind of my other, th- that's another thing I had about this is like, you know, I feel like the world of the, the world of movies and just in general is just like, beauty is good. Ugly is bad. Like, you know, that old Greek uh, theory that like the more beautiful you are, the more good you must be because your yeah. beauty our beauty reflects your inner beauty. Like, I don't know what kind of path Beth is going to take. If like I've I've seen movies about rock and rollers, and if her rock and roll prequel in the first episode is anything to go, she's going to be kind of shitty probably at some point. And yeah. like, I feel like making her homelier and just less attractive would, you know, go into that stereotype of like, oh, hey, Oscar. Um, <laughs> Like, look at Oscar. Like, Oscar is very cute, but sometimes can be a little devil. Um, Tried to bite a hole in my sweater today. <laughs> a little jerk. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm like, I have, like, two nice sweaters right now. Please do not bite a hole in it. <laughs> and Oscar's like, I'm just a cat. Oscar is a cat. If you've not listened before, <laughs> Oscar is a cat. <laughs> I'm just a cat. I have no human words. Um <laughs> just that. I have a partner who's out of control and just biting holes in my sweater. <laughs> you're like, oh, hello. What a jerk. And I'm like, trying to buy a hole in my sweater. Um, you know, so that kind of, like, that, I, I'm sorry, I was derailed by the Oscar thing, but. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, you know, we, I don't need another narrative of, a, you know, not attractive person being an asshole. Like, because that seems to be, like, Hollywood's Sierra go-to. Sierra Burgess is a loser, cornered the market on that. Yeah. Um, and, like, she was, and, like, I don't want to, like, say anything about the actress, because I don't think she was homely at all. It's just, like, she was Hollywood homely, which sucks. And the character was written as an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but the movie didn't think she was. <laughs> the which movie's... is so weird. Okay, so this is what I mean by, like, I feel like Queen's Gambit knows exactly what they're doing as far as 
ingratiating Beth to us. Whereas Sierra Burgess is a loser was like, but don't you pity her? Don't you feel bad for her? So then if you do, doesn't the ends justify the means? And we're like, what? No. Are you saying just because these people are conventionally attractive, this woman should be able to catfish them and gaslight them and that's fine? Don't forget to solve. crazy. <laughs> Being psychologically manipulative and abusive to someone is not okay, even if they are hot and you don't feel hot. Like, yeah. So the, le- the lesson in that movie, and if you want to hear us rant about this for like an entire hour, I think we <laughs> did Sierra Burgess is a loser last year or the year before. It must, 2019, I think. The lesson of that movie was you'll hate everybody by the end of this. <laughs> I think the hot guy is the only one who comes out like kind of okay because most of the dirty was done to him. <laughs> I mean, like I said, he was the one who was assaulted. Yeah. Um, so, Frank, uh, how would you recommend Queen's Gambit? Oh, well, I, just to close out, um, at one point the author does say. Um, Beth could be Emily in Paris if she wasn't such a bitch. See, and I don't think that Beth is a bitch. I think she's awkward. Yeah. But like, I don't think she's a bitch. Well, well, then again, we have not finished the series. She yeah. could turn out to be a very mean person. Well, I was going to say, like, and this is something, after I read that, like, I was just like, oh, like... Oh, I, <laughs> quiet you... Well, I've come to a point in my life, and I just also watched the history of swear words um, with Nick Cage. <laughs> with Nick Cage. Yeah, um, and they covered the word bitch on that show, and like they talk about just like how terrible that word has been to women. And I'm, I'm, excuse me, I'm, I know I'm speaking to out of my comfort zone to acquire, but like you know. I didn't really think about it that much until I watched that, which is probably weird and stupid of me. But, like, I've come to a point now where if you refer to a woman... It would be so much weirder if you were like, so I've been ruminating on the word bitch. And I'd be like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) I wrote a dissertation on the word bitch. I'd be like, ew, something weird. (laughs) Something's grieving. (laughs) Being a real Sierra Burgess right now. (laughs) But I've, I've come to a point... And I was probably here before, but now I'm just vocalizing it, of if uh, somebody, male or female, refers to a woman as a bitch, I'm just going to think your opinion about that woman is completely invalid and just not care anymore. So that's where I'm at. Um, You should boo-hiss them. Yes. So I, as somebody who loves stories and movies and stuff about people who are very good at a singular task, or not like a singular task, like at, at like something like chess or badminton, or what have you. <laughs> uh, I um, I very much enjoyed the show. I want to keep watching it to see what happens, much like Bridgerton, but I'll probably watch this before Bridgerton. They're 1,000% um, going to make this into an anime. <laughs> Mark my words! I'm sure there's already a chess anime, Susie. There's a Go anime. Uh, like... <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> the, the, the game Go? No, Frank, I mean, why is there a chess anime? <laughs> because, because they make animes about everything. Like, is it a niche thing? Cool, let's make an anime about it. And you'll fall in love with these characters and you won't know why. Is there an anime about making donuts? Um, probably. <laughs> okay. 
I know there's one where the devil becomes a part-time food worker. <laughs> Wait. Is... Is there an offshoot anime about Goku? Is Goku the main guy? Yes, he's the main guy. <laughs> <laughs> Does Piccolo get an offshoot? No, uh, Pic- Piccolo is his own thing. What <laughs> Like the B-Boy Skeletons from yes. David S. Pumpkins? Yeah. Um, Piccolo, Piccolo just kind of becomes a babysitter towards the end of the series. Who's the other green guy? Is that Vegeta? No, Vegeta is a Saiyan like Goku, so he's, you know, um, he, he just has, like, black hair and looks like a... Per- I, so is here's he just the- a human? No, he he's a he looks like a human, but he's a Saiyan. It's nonsense. A Saiyan's not a human, but Goku's a human. No, Goku's a Saiyan. But to Frank, okay, not I know we're gonna get a lot okay. of pushback on this if okay. we get it wrong. Okay, but... okay. So let, let me explain. Okay, you know how in do um... Saiyans just look like a guy though? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's all I'm asking. So he just looks I... like a guy the way Goku just looks like a guy. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and why is it that I always um whatchamacallit confuse Dragon Ball Z with what's the other huge anime? Um there's Attack on Titan, there's One Piece, um No, these are not ones I know. Sailor Moon. No. Um Naruto. Naruto, that's it. <laughs> I somewhere in my head, Naruto and Goku are the same thing. I mean, they are very similar because they're both um, shonen anime, which means they're anime for boys. So they're very much about power levels and long fight scenes that don't matter and yelling a lot <laughs> and powering up. Would you say I'm more of a Naruto or a Goku? You're, you're I'd say you're more a Naruto because Naruto actually cared about other people and he tried his best to help other people. Goku is an idiot who does nothing, everything wrong. But everybody <laughs> loves Goku. I mean, because he's he's a fun enough character, but like, is he a party look, dude? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do not know how the episode like we gave it <laughs> turned into me being like guess Goku's characteristics, but here we are. <laughs> Here's where we find ourselves. So I would also recommend Queen's Gambit. Um, I do not love badminton animes, but I did like this. I thought Beth is a, an interesting female protagonist. I do think I'm going to read the book when I can get it out of the library. So, AKA when this show is not nearly as popular as it is now. And, uh, I, mean, I am also pumped that there's like a lot of people are getting to chess because of this show. Yep. And quarantine, of course. Yep. And, uh, join us for extra credit this week. It'll be a, a little later but um we are gonna play a game where i pick a fanfic and frank has to guess what happens next <laughs> I'm very excited about this. <laughs> so uh you can write us a real teen girl oh. talk at gmail.com we would love if you rate and review the podcast five stars please and if you left a review it would make us feel very special um we have a facebook group and page uh you can see how bad i am at posting on facebook back when I used to try to do it a year or two years ago <laughs> and Frank would be like you posted the wrong thing again and I was like Ugh. 
<laughs> you posted on my wall. <laughs> I'm like one of those people who's just telling Sabaros all my business, and Sabaros is like, huh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Frank has another podcast. It's called I Hope I Can Make It Through with his friend Donnie. They are watching Degrassi, um, which is probably also an anime. They're in season six. And. Uh. Well, this weekend can actually tell. Like, we're going this week. We're going to be covering the movie Letters to Satan Claus, um, ah. which is a bonkers movie that I very much enjoyed. So, if you wish Christmas wasn't over, <laughs> check out. I hope I can make it through. And until next week, I am Susie Coda. I'm Franklin Coda. Team Coda. Such a difficult game. So many pieces. So many squares where you can go So few promises Never you mind all the others Anticipating your next move I know it's hard Cause you got a lot to do Street signs and traffic lights